0: Hello there! Welcome to this special episode of No Extra Words, the Flash Fiction Podcast. My name is Chris Baker-Dirsch. I'm your producer and editor. I have a story that I want to bring to you today. It's just going to be the one story. And it gets into several things, one of which is the origin story for this podcast. This podcast came to be in May of 2015. We're just about to celebrate our two-year podcast anniversary. And it came to be because I was trying to reclaim my life as a writer. So my son was born in April of 2014. And I went from a full-time librarian to a full-time mom pretty abruptly. And there was a lot of changes in going through that identity shift. And my relationship with motherhood had always been kind of complicated. I lost my mother when I was 16, suddenly. And so that first year was interesting, wonderful, joyous, beautiful, and interesting. And one of the things I really wanted to do was to maintain my ongoing pursuit of being a writer. And anyone who has ever been the parent of a small child, I think, is imagining that sentence ending with, and I never wrote again because it is not easy to do in those early days of parenthood. And one of the things I wanted to do was I wanted to try NaNoWriMo again, which is National Novel Writing Month, and I had attempted that a couple of times as a um, full-time librarian. So I did it, you know, nights and weekends at my desk, and I had completed a couple, and the most recent one before my son was born, I had been in my first trimester, and I just couldn't do it. It just was too tired, and I couldn't spend nights and weekends writing. So, that first fall, after my son was born, National Novel Writing Month is in November. That first fall, I sat down on the first day of November, determined to write a novel. Determined that I was going to spend my child's moments of sleep writing. And I learned something, and that is that there is something called a six-month sleep regression. And I swear, my six-month-old from the beginning of November to the end of November, chose to never sleep again. And so it didn't happen. My National Novel Writing Month 2014 did not happen. And I was frustrated with my ongoing lack of progress as a writer. I think in my head, writing had always been something I was going to do someday. I was going to be a writer someday. And I realized, you know, I am a mom. I am in my thirties. I am running out of some days. I still have a lot of them left, But one of these days, they're going to be gone, and every year that goes by that I don't really tackle this thing called writing is another year that's not coming back. And mom is who I am now, and I need to figure out how to make these two things fit together. And I needed to reclaim my own identity a little bit. So my son got a little bigger, got a little more consistent in the sleep department here and there sometimes, and... In April of 2015, the people of National Novel Writing Month did something called a camp, which I didn't know about. But Camp NaNoWriMo is an abbreviated version of National Novel Writing Month. You still get a lot of the same things, but instead of everybody's writing a novel and everybody's writing 50,000 words, it doesn't have to be that. It can be, it can be your National Novel Writing Month part two, or it can be something else. And so what they encourage you to do is set your own goal. And I thought, I sort of did the math on how many days are in April, and I knew we were coming up on my son's birthday and all that stuff. And I thought, I can do 14,000 words. I'll do 14,000 words in the month of April, and I will just do them however they come. I sort of created a handful of characters and just decided that I would write short stories about them for as long as I wanted to. And I completed my 14,000 words. In fact, I got close to 25,000 words that month of April and did dozens of short stories around these four characters that I had created. And because I gave myself the freedom to write whatever, I realized I was churning out these very short, short stories that were two and three pages long. And I realized in my past as a writer... I had found myself doing similar things. When I wrote in kind of an unrestricted, I'm not going to write a novel sort of way, what came out were vignettes and short stories that were all about 500-ish words. I think in my Camp NaNoWriMo journey, I wrote... I used to have the statistics somewhere because I'm a nerd and I geeked out on all that. But I think I wrote something like... In my 20-some-odd thousand words, I think I wrote something like 40 short stories and the shortest was 300 words and the longest was one of the longest was what you're actually about to hear was right around 2000 and so I had these stories I didn't quite know what to do with them I thought maybe I could edit them and put them together into a novel some of them or something but I didn't even have a name for them and I started researching and I started realizing there was this term for these stories and that was flash fiction And then I dove down this rabbit hole and started reading voraciously over the couple of weeks following that adventure, Flash Fiction. And I thought, I need to give this a stage. I love podcasts. And so one of the things I started doing was looking for Flash Fiction podcasts. And I found two, I think, I found at the time. And one was very good and one didn't really exist anymore. It had a couple episodes in iTunes and had gone away. And I thought, this is a perfect, perfect medium to share in audio form and so I looked up how to create a podcast and because I tend to leap first and ask questions later I started recording and at the end of May 2015 I released my first episode of what became No Extra Words and um, the first three episodes were all me but I knew right away that I wanted to bring in other voices and that I wanted to do other things and it's two years later and this is what we do now. It's every couple of weeks we turn out an episode that's full of flash fiction. And I have learned so much about flash fiction and I have met other flash fiction writers. And I haven't met all my goals as a writer yet. I don't think anybody has, but it has been an interesting journey. A couple of the stories that I wrote during that um, Camp NaNoWriMo, you have heard over the course of this show. They've been here and there and um, many, many of them you haven't. And there are a handful of them that I still dream of turning into a novel that I have kind of outlined and then there were several that I held back. And what you're going to hear is one of them. And I can't really tell you why I held it back. I think part of me had these dreams of getting it published elsewhere. And, um, you know, you can't submit things to many literary journals if they've already been published. And so I thought, well, if I put on extra words, and it kind of kills its future. And it went through a number of edits. And every single time it was edited, it felt a little more distant. I think sometimes you can over-edit, especially short stories. Please, please, please don't not edit. I get stories like that in submissions, believe me. But I think we can kill stories pretty quickly in edits. And so it lingered. And it's been two years, and this story's been sitting around. And I wanted to bring it to you. Mother's, Mother's Day is a complicated holiday for me, having lost my own mother young. Um, but it's also a very special day, and a special day to celebrate very important women. So I want to bring you this story, the celebration of Mother's Day. It is fiction it is semi autobiographical, but it is definitely fiction. I shared the long version of this actual story uh, from my life on the New Parent podcast by Katie Gelmisha Hooper back in April. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes. If you really do want to hear the down and dirty, we get pretty candid and tell kind of the whole story of this birth on this journey. Um, but this is the fictionalized version of it that I wrote. And I'm going to actually give you a pretty early draft because like I say, my later drafts felt more distant. So I'm going to give you the almost unedited version of this story because that's the one that really speaks to my heart. The other thing I wanted to do is I wanted to bring you the voice of the man who made me a mom. Um, He appeared on our Mother's Day episode last year when he was very little. I learned that toddlers don't always do what you tell them to do. And they don't always talk about what you tell them to talk about. So I'm still working on that. But I'm gonna see if I can't get him on the end here just a little bit after the story airs to to wish you all a happy holiday. And I hope you do have a happy holiday. We're gonna be back in a couple weeks with a regular old episode of No Extra Words. It's gonna be a little irregular actually. It has some unique stuff on it to celebrate our anniversary. But in the meantime, here is your Mother's Day special from No Extra Words, the Flash Fiction Podcast. Mother's Day in the NICU by Chris Baker Dirsch. It was awfully quiet for being so noisy. The NICU is never quiet. Not at three in the morning, not at two in the afternoon, not at noon. Never quiet and never dark. Monitors glow, showing the heart rate and breathing activity of the babies. Nurses in their baby blue and pink scrubs slide around in slippered feet and adjust IVs, hook up feeding tubes, and help parents hold their tiny newborns. The lights are never off, and the desk is never closed. Now and then, the alarm of someone's feeding tube goes off, indicating that the feeding is over. Doors close, but never stay closed, as the medical staff and the families need access to the tiny patient's. Only the patients are silent. NICU babies rarely cry. Their job is to rest and get stronger. So even if they can cry, their needs are met before they start. They lie there, helpless, unable to move, interact, or do anything. Not even breathe on their own sometimes. Everyone around them focuses on them, working to save them, working to nurture them. For Valerie, the place felt like church. The TV hanging over her bed was always off, although watching it on occasion, like while sitting alone with the breast pump, might have made the long hours a little less long and lonely. But to turn it on would disturb a silence deeper than the sound of beeping monitors. She read, or dreamed, or wondered, always in silence, except when she read aloud to her son. Her voice did not have to be loud to carry in this space. From the moment he was admitted, tiny but breathing, everyone told her how stable he was. He'll be home soon, they said reassuringly. Rest and build your strength. He just needs to get a little bit bigger and strong enough to eat on his own. It won't take long. It will go by quickly. Like her abbreviated pregnancy, three and a half years to conceive him, three and a half years of tests and endless prodding and poking and shots and medicines and procedures— And once he attached a tiny bundle of cells, it was like he couldn't wait the 40 weeks to arrive. He waited 32 and 5 days. But the first two weeks really don't count, because they come before the actual conception. You know this when you live through all those infertility tests and procedures. You know exactly what happens moment to moment. He grew inside her for just 30 weeks and 5 days, safe and warm, feeling his way, learning to kick not quite long enough. Half-baked, Max joked when the two of them gazed at him that first night, Valerie still weak, still in her hospital gown, still not showered and feeling human again. She poked Max, but half-baked wasn't a bad way of putting it, really, and it added much-needed comedy to a situation that wasn't always as serious as it felt. The first few days were overwhelming, Having a NICU baby felt like being enrolled in master's-level classes without ever having finished the undergraduate degree. Nurses were patient and would explain the acronyms and answer any questions she asked. But when they asked her if she had any questions, she would stare at them. How do you know what to ask? After a week, you can adjust to just about anything. You learn what it means when they say they are going to gavage your child, feed through a nasal-gastric feeding tube, what the lines on the monitor indicate and when to be available to feed or cuddle. You learn about football holds and weight checks. You live on ice water and whatever your husband brings from the outside world and sometimes that's ice cream. You sterilize breast pump and bottle parts like a pro and you learn to hold the baby like it isn't a bomb. The first time they hand your baby to you is quite a production. There are cords attached. You have to be sitting and the nurse will hand him to you in just such a way. When that tiny head hits your shoulder, it isn't a real feeling, it's like a dream. That first night, when her body started to make milk, Valerie was bewildered. How could she be lactating? She wasn't even due for another eight weeks, how could she possibly be making milk? But she was, and watching the nurses slide it into the machine to feed it to her son via his feeding tube was bittersweet in a way she couldn't have imagined. No one knew what to say. Visitors to the hospital brought her food and tried to make small talk, with the monitors endlessly beeping. They couldn't speak NICU. She had learned to. The nurses were her best companions. The tiny baby didn't make them nervous. He was on the bigger side of babies in their world. They changed his diaper and handled him gently, but in an accustomed way. What must it feel like to be a pro at handling four-pound babies? She never knew what day it was work didn't call, and her husband was around whenever he was around, so days slid into weeks, and she didn't leave the room. At home, laundry mixed with baby gifts, and there was chaos. At work, she could only imagine what was being left on her desk, and when she ventured out of the room, even to the car or the cafeteria, she found the stimulation overwhelming. In the baby's room, she could focus on him, and hold him, and for hours not move, not even to use the restroom, for fear she would have to put him down. She couldn't read parenting advice. Everyone talked about how their babies never let them set them down. She longed for that. Her arms ached for that. The worst days were days he was medically fragile, and she couldn't hold him. She cried only once. Even tears seemed confounded by the silent, powerfully meditative quality of the NICU room. The private room was a blessing and a curse. She didn't see many others, just from a distance, Wondering what their lives were like. How small were the tiny infants in their rooms? Some of the babies wouldn't make it out. She knew that, but it was hard to comprehend. Her baby was never in that kind of danger. Daily she walked past photographs of NICU graduates, and the smiling baby faces were both reassuring and bewildering. Her baby could never be like one of those. Feeding readiness was the most common topic of discussion. Is your baby ready to eat? asked a bulletin board in the hallway. It made Max laugh every time. Of course, just baste her baby and bake at 350 degrees for 20 minutes per pound, ready to eat by dinnertime. Valerie had no idea what ready to eat meant. She simply held him and prayed he would. The lactation consultants came and went, but the nurses were patient. Nights she spent alone. Max wanted to stay, but there were practicalities like work and the dog. And what could he do, really? Max would be totally useless at 3 a.m. The feedings were on three-hour rotations like clockwork. Three, six, nine, twelve, rinse, repeat. Once, he woke up at 2.30, crying. She paced the room, worrying. Would they hear him? Could she try to pick him up? There was a call button somewhere. When she held him, they always left it within her reach, but now she couldn't locate it. After an eternity of five minutes, the night nurse arrived and set her up to feed him. Wanting food off his schedule, she said, was a good sign. He was showing her he was getting ready to go home. Home? How could she take this tiny baby home? What would she do with him? And then, one morning, a note appeared. It was dropped on the little table in the room while she was gone at the vending machine getting ice, water, and crackers. She was gone maybe five minutes, but when she returned, there was a folded paper flower. Real flowers are a big no-no in the NICU. And attached to that flower was a little handwritten note that read, Happy Mother's Day. The elf who had delivered it was nowhere to be found, and never revealed him or herself. She had forgotten. A holiday she had spent years avoiding, and it had passed her by unnoticed, like a submarine under the ice. After her mother passed away, Mother's Day had become something of a landmine. She avoided mention of it when possible. Somehow it was harder than her mother's birthday, or the day her mom had died in hospice care. It was a day set aside for everyone to celebrate the things she didn't have, and it was, at times, nearly unbearable. She usually escaped to as remote a park as she could find, crying alone in the woods, wishing the holiday away. Years of fertility treatments didn't help. Now there was the added landmine of not just not having a mother of her own, but the lingering fear she might never become one. It made the loss of her mother ragged, like an infected wound that never healed. When she discovered she was pregnant, she gave a fleeting thought to Mother's Day, but of course the baby wouldn't be born by then. She had another year to figure out how to transcend the landmine, now that she would be a mom herself. When the baby came early, in the confusion she had failed to look at the calendar and see what lay ahead. And now the holiday was here, had snuck up on her, and she felt... wonderful. The NICU should be the worst place to spend Mother's Day but it wasn't. For all its medicalness and scariness, for a lucky mom like Valerie, the NICU was a place of gratitude. A lot of babies do make it out, and a lot of milestones happen there. The first time you hold them, the first time you feed them, the first time they wear clothes. This was her baby's first home, and it was not a bad one. This was her first Mother's Day, the first of many. She had been reborn, too, right here, in this hospital wing. She leaned over the crib where he lay, sleeping as usual, his eyes screwed shut. Gently she stroked his bare chest with her finger. He was still so tiny, but he had grown. It was easy to see the progress he was making. He would be home soon, and she still had no idea what in the world she would do with him when they got there but they would figure it out. Nothing could be harder than the road they had walked to get there. So despite the heart rate monitor and the -the round-the-clock nurse support and the struggles to get him to eat, it was joyful. They would walk out of there soon, and he would come with them. The NICU was temporary, but motherhood was real. You are Mama's big boy, she murmured without even thinking of the power of those words. For the first time, she named herself, her new name, Mama. Whatever happened, whatever joys or struggles lay ahead, she would always be his Mama. Nothing would ever change that. His eyelids fluttered but did not open. The two of them took a minute, reverently, waiting, meditating. Then there was another breath, Another moment, there would be more. Start by saying hi and telling them who you are. Hi, my name is James. J-A-M-E-S. What do you want to talk about? I don't want to talk about anything. I thought you wanted to talk about your birthday. Um, Yeah. Yeah? Tell the people about your birthday. I have cake. Yeah? What else? What do birthdays celebrate, James? Do you know? Mama. They celebrate mamas, kind of. Birthdays celebrate the day you were born. What do you want to know about the day you were born? I don't know. What do you know about the day you were born? I don't know. Um, Did you know you were born in a hospital? Yeah. Did you know that you came out in Mama? Yeah. Did you know you were teeny tiny? How little were you? Teeny tiny. Teeny tiny. You see that ball up there? Your head was the size of that ball. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Are you big now? Are you a big kid? Yeah. Are you a big little kid or are you a little big kid? A little big kid. Yeah. A little. Are you happy to be having a birthday? Yeah. Without Mama, would you have a birthday? (laughs) Probably not. Is it good to have a, a holiday that celebrates Mamas? Yeah. Do you remember what it's called? Mother's Day. Can you say Happy Mother's Day? Happy Mother's Day. Is there anything else you want to say? You can say anything. I am not any, anything. I almost forgot. How old are you? Three. Three? That's pretty old. Okay, say bye and happy Mother's Day. Bye and happy Mother's Day.